0: Her father was a NYPD detective on September 11, 2001. She was 10 years old, but she remembers vividly the experiences of that day and the days after the trauma and more, which has inspired her to do something very special to raise money for the Tunnels to Towers Foundation. Welcome Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Want to win great prizes in awesome contests? Who wouldn't want that? It's easy. Just sign up and subscribe for the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Calling us from New York City area, we have Susan Fiorentino and if you're on, on the phone, the Clubhouse drop in audio chat. App. Be sure to look Peter for me Fiorentino. and follow me. He is My name's John, John for the letter J, letter J Wiley. Wiley. You can also course, search for so much at me. LET Radio Show. We're going to be talking about September 11th, 2001. Uh, you know, that's a date that I'll remember everything about that day, and I remember everything afterwards. In regards to that, your dad, he was a police detective at the time, and you were impacted. How old were you when this occurred?
1: I was in sixth grade on September 11th, 2001, so I was 10 years old.
0: You are a youngster, very (laughs) (laughs) young. I didn't want to tell you how old I was when it occurred, but I remember watching a video in Florida on the news reports, and just really, it was like a, a a sucker punch is the best thing I can say. It was a gut punch because I was not expecting this. I don't think anybody was. It was a beautiful day. But you were really impacted because, A, you're a New Yorker. B, your dad is on the job there. And he had to be involved in this.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I remember exactly where I was sitting in my sixth grade classroom. Like you said, even in New York, it was a beautiful day here. I, you know, my friends and I thought we were so cool and so excited because we were turning the corner of our school, starting a new chapter. And then, um, you know, then we got the news of what happened. And at the time, you know, I knew that my dad worked in the city. I knew he worked at One Police Plaza, but I was not aware of the significance of his job or that he would even have been down there. But as the day progressed and we eventually got out of school and I got home, then I realized that my dad was there.
0: How does a 10-year-old process this? That's a, Look, I'll be honest with you. I was a lot older than you. I had a difficult time processing all this. Like I said, it was a, like a gut punch and it still is. How does a 10-year-old take this in?
1: I that day i really just remember you know the part leaving about school and you know the whispers because again i live in staten island a lot of the fathers of who you know from my school were first responders either nypd or fdny but i think that day after i realized like my dad was there my brain just blocked it out in retalking with my mom in the last year's anniversary she was asking, you know, a lot of your friends came over after school because a lot of their fathers were police officers. And I just didn't remember any of it. And I think a lot of people either remember, like I said before, distinctly where they were sitting when they found out. And then I kind of just blocked that day out completely. And I think, you know, over the years, it has come up, you know, of course.
0: I don't know how can not not come up. I, I went back to New York many years afterwards to visit for a work-related thing. And we went by. At that time, it was still very much a pit. And it was still in construction. There was members of NYPD there. And I wanted to go up to them and just say, hey, I'm retired, Baltimore Police Sergeant. And try to express my condolences. Because I'll be honest with you, Susan, I can't fathom the thought of losing that many people in a lifetime, never mind in one day. And as I approached them, I just started crying. And it I never did get the words out. I think I got, I'm a retired and blah, that was it. I was a slobbering fool. And I'm okay with that. And, and I got the distinct impression from them, they were okay with it. They got used to that kind of reaction from people. So for a family member to be there and to see not just the the physical effects on their parents that were working, but the long-term mental effects has to be overwhelming.
1: Yeah, again, you know, I was 10 when this all happened, and my dad is Italian from Brooklyn, grew up in this area, you know, don't talk about it. And that's kind of how it was for a bit. But as I got older and I grew up a certain way because my father went through, you know, a terrorist attack, and he survived it and I was raised differently from other friends that you know didn't have a father that experienced this and I think it changed me for who I am and in some kind of way that shaped me into the young woman that I am today too
0: and by all appearances you sound like and from what I've read about you in prior conversations you sound like someone who's is pretty well balanced. You've got a a different perspective about life and the value of life compared to people who really weren't attached directly to this.
1: Yes, I know. I would, you know, like to think so. My, I did have some difficulties as a teenager, um, and I think I was lashing out because of, you know, PTSD wasn't something that was talked about in the early 2000s, and I was going through my adolescent years around chaos sometimes. And I think, and I am a huge advocate for therapy, especially for first responders and their families. If it wasn't for pushing past my vulnerability and realizing, you know, things that I locked under and put away for years, you know, finally came back when I'm like, wow, this could be connected because of how I was raised or what my family... Went through. Um, it really helped me gain a perspective of what type of career I want and what type of volunteer work I want to do within my Staten Island and the larger community. So, again, in some kind of way, it shaped me into who I am today.
0: And that's not all bad. That, that's a mixture of really harsh stuff and a lot of good stuff. You, you do volunteer work, you said. Tell us about that.
1: Yes. So I started volunteering with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation in about 2018. Um, I have, you know, bad anxiety, and going to the city and, you know, especially surrounding September 11th, kind of aggravates it at times. And I started participating in the run around then because that's when I felt, you know, comfortable about being in the city, and. My background is in nonprofit and fundraising, so I expressed an interest about getting more involved because they do amazing, amazing things for, you know, first responder families and the military, and I had to be part of it and had to be, you know, more involved. So, currently, I'm the co-chair of the Young Professionals First Responder Committee, and it has been a wonderful experience being part of this group everyone involved is either a first responder themselves they are personally affected by September 11th or they just want to support the Tunnel to Towers Foundation mission and want to continue doing good in their community.
0: And Tunnel to Towers does such awesome things we'll talk about that more later on we right now we are talking with Susan Fiorentino she is the daughter of a retired NYPD detective Peter Fiorentino And we're talking about the experiences of the World Trade Center terrorism attack, September 11, 2001, and how it's motivating her to do some very special things. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. There's so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. From the hit TV show, Murdered Chose Me, on the ID channel, retired homicide detective Rod Demery gets personal on the Law Enforcement Today radio show, which is also available as a podcast. You can listen anytime you want, from anywhere you want, on your smartphone, computer, or wireless speaker devices for free. Check out the podcast episode with Rod Demery, Season 2, Episode 13. Go to letradioshow.com or search for Law Enforcement Today Podcast. During conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Susan Fiorentino, daughter of retired NYP Detective Peter Fiorentino. She was 10 years old on September 11, 2001, her dad worked the World Trade Center terrorism attack and we'll be talking about that in depth later on. Before we break Susan, you mentioned a couple things that really resonated with me. Number 1, you're 30. I have two daughters, they're 31 and 32. They live in Buffalo, New York, and you know, they were impacted by what I went through in police work. I went through a lot of violence. And although I was retired well before September 11, 2001, I'd been hurt and retired. It had a huge negative impact on me. And in turn, it had a huge negative impact on them. Because back in those days, you kind of said something. They didn't have the resources that we have now. And we didn't talk about trauma like we do now. And we don't have all the recovery outlets that we do now. I'm glad we do. But there's a lot of similarity, different causes. But you said that in your teen years, it created some issues for you.
1: Yes. Um, again, I was kind of a reactive adolescent. I lashed out a lot. And I was just very angry um, a lot of times. And I took it out on my parents. Um, definitely my brothers, and I just didn't realize what was wrong with me. You know, in school, I was kind of like that model, student, straight A's, never spoke, you know, when not out of turn, and there was just something in me, and it felt more than, you know, that angsty, becoming of age, 13-year-old, and one way that I kind of controlled it and didn't even realize it at the time Again, I mentioned before that I do have some anxiety and I developed an eating disorder just as a way, I think now as an adult realizing it, I was trying to control what was going on in my life because, you know, no one was really speaking about September 11th, but in the home, words like I never even like PTSD and what is going on, like kept coming up and I could just tell there was like a dynamic shift between you know, everyone and just even at school, it was just like no one else's parents, you know, or how come you're not getting upset over September 11th? I just felt like an outsider and just very disconnected and angry.
0: I can relate to that so much. And that you're almost telling my story. I went from being a happy-go-lucky guy, you know, I was thrilled about being married and, and having two daughters and very slowly, It's like the rug got pulled out from under me, Susan, and I wound up being very sullen, very withdrawn, and very, you said great term, reactionary. I was so afraid about being around people, not because I was fearful of them. I was fearful I was gonna lose it and get angry with them. I was angry all the time and could not relax.
1: Yeah, I just remember being just angry and not knowing how to cope with it, and no one was talking, and I kind of internalized all that. But uh, thankfully, as I got into my young adult years, I realized this was not healthy anymore. I was also a uh, cheerleader through college, and my you know, eating habits were being affected by my ability to perform, and I just knew I had to get it under control. But it wasn't until I started seeing... A therapist after 2020 who also specializes in first responders and families who went through trauma from you know the first responder perspective that I was using it kind of as a crutch when things got hard I was like this is easy to control you know what goes into my body and now I'm dealing with things in a healthier way and although I think that day and the impact will always be with me coping with it has gotten easier over the years.
0: That's a great way of putting it. One of the things that m- myself and many of the guests on the show say is that we're damaged goods and we're okay with that. We laugh about it and doesn't mm-hmm. mean we're ruined, doesn't mean we're worthless. It just means, hey, I'm not like I was when I was 20 and 25 and maybe even 30. I'm a different guy and when I say that, that I've had multiple orthopedic injuries uh, and some surgeries as a result of police work. So, I don't expect to be like I was before those injuries. So for me to expect that I would be the same person with the same reactions after 9-11 or some heavy-duty exposure to trauma is kind of ridiculous.
1: Right. I think that day and any you know, trauma that you experience, for me, I kind of have remember my life pre-9-11 and post-9-11. And, you know, although it was a tragic day in history, it connected me, and I feel like I was meant to meet these people in a certain way, and that helped me cope and deal with my experience.
0: Going back to when you are 10, and this occurred, you got home, at what point during the day did you realize dad's there and this is, well, it's bad, all of a sudden it gets notched up to another level. Like this is really bad.
1: I think when parents started picking their children up at school early, again, this was the first week of school. And you know, when this happened and parents were coming early to sign out their kids and get them home, whether or not their, their husband or significant other was down at the uh, world Trade center. It was just, you know, I think a day that you had to be with your with your family and your kids if you were able to. Um, and I lived on the block of the school that I attended at the time. So when I got picked up and I saw my dad wasn't home, which was normal because he usually is not home when I am at school, there was something in my mom's face with my youngest brother, who was about one at the time. And, I don't think words had to be communicated. I just knew something was wrong in my stomach. I just knew something was off. Um, And again, we don't have the technology we do today. I remember, you know, saying the cell phone calls weren't going through. And that's the point that I kind of don't remember until my dad came home. I don't remember, you know, my friends being there Um, How all the moms were upstairs, you know, in the living room trying to grasp what what was going on. And if their husbands were down there, you know, I think that just the trauma part blocked that part of the day out for me.
0: And to me, that's totally understandable. Uh, Look, one of the things that I tell people all the time is we knew the risks of the job. We knew the dangers of the job. But it wasn't in the forefront of our mind that, hey, something bad could really happen to me today. Otherwise, we'd never leave the patrol car or never leave the station and stay inside all day long. You'd find a way not to go handle it. So when things did turn bad, it was quite often a shock. And I'll be totally honest with you, I never really understood the impact it had on my wife at the time, my daughters later on in life, my mom, my sisters, until well after I retired. And they had a conversation with me about the worry and the fear and the what ifs and trying to find ways to cope with that. So when we return to our conversation with Susan Fiorentino, we're going to talk more about the family afterwards, her experiences after 9-11, when her dad was a police detective with the NYPD and how it motivates her to do some really incredible things today. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, when you have a chance... Check out our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. When you get there, click, like, and follow. As click, like, and follow Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. Return of conversation with Susan Fiorentino on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Susan, a young lady calling us from New York area. She is volunteering, writing a book about September 11th, her experiences, and a lot of other children of first responders writing about their experiences. You see, her dad was NYPD detective, Peter Fiorentino. He's now retired. And by the way, tell him, I said, thank you, and your mom and everybody in the family, and you as well, thank you for your service because everybody's impacted. And the proceeds that benefit the and Towers Foundation. We'll talk about that more. I want to go back in time to you were 10 years old. You began to really get some idea of the gravity of the situation you talked about. You're at home, other friends and family members were, were coming by that had you know, family members working NYPD or FDNY, you kind of find a way to block all that out. At what point do you start realizing, hey, this is really something at ten I'm not prepared for and I'll be honest, with you, at thirty or forty I wasn't prepared for.
1: Um, I think that when my dad did finally come home it was not the same, you know, running up and giving him a hug to see him. I remember, you know, he came home in the clothes that he was at the site in, and he made it a point to make sure that he got changed, you know, quickly outside, threw those clothes into a garbage bag, you know, got took a shower right away. And I just remember, like, there was something off. And at the time, I did not see See um any news yet the school did not show us anything at home it was not on yet it wasn't until probably later i knew what had happened my imagination was running wild but again there's parts of my childhood from those few months i just blocked out and i noticed just a shift with within the household and i think within you know, how I felt at school relating to my peers and friends.
0: And as you said, most of them, or many of them, were daughters and sons of FTNY and NYPD as well.
1: Yes. You know, growing up in Staten Island, that's kind of the the norm here, which I love and appreciate so much because I'm surrounded by so many amazing men and women.
0: It's refreshing to hear you say that because that doesn't seem to be a popular line of thought in people your age group
1: no it's not and it's kind of the reason how this whole idea for my book started
0: does the book have a working title yet
1: yes it's we will never forget the stories of 9-11 children
0: we'll return that a little bit later on we talked earlier that in your teen years you began to become reactionary, and you developed an eating disorder. And I get that that's a control issue. I really do. I don't understand it because I've always been kind of a chunky guy, and eating is like it's the only passion I have left in life. <laughs> I'll be honest, with you, Susan. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do drugs. I try not to curse, and but eating. Oh my goodness, it's it's just a struggle. So. I get that it's control thing, trying to to find something in your life you can control because so much is out of control at that point. What happened in in New York City, and how many day, how many hours a day was your dad working at, at the, the the rubble pile?
1: Um, it was hours on end, sometimes you know more than twelve, but he would always come home when he was able to. But I think you know that whole. I don't want my kids to see me upset, kind of like sunken. And I, just something in the household felt off. But I know my dad was out a lot working.
0: I get all that about, I don't want my kids see that I'm affected. And I didn't want my wife to know how, I didn't want her to be more worried about it. And I didn't go through anything like that, nothing. What I went through, and I had to learn a long time ago, Susan, to stop this comparison game that I, I play in my head what you all went through was horrible. What I went through was bad enough. So it's not like there's levels of bad, it's all bad. Uh, There's a lot of good things that happen in my life from police work as well, wasn't all bad. However, as I said earlier, you know, my daughters, 31 and 32, we talk about it, not frequently, but we talk about it periodically. And it's almost as if we come to the realization that I wish there was a way we could have learned how to handle things better when I was young.
1: I completely agree with that. Um, I think, again, as I mentioned, my dad, you know, the Italian side of the family, it wasn't talked about. And I was just so reactive. I don't think I would have been able to have someone sit me down to go through any normal or conversation with me. And I did have a difficult adolescent relationship with my father, but I think as we reconnected and I got older and I got to see things through his perspective, it helped him be more comfortable to speak about 9-11 with me in the past. It was not something you know spoken about at all. And on September 11th, I would just send him a text saying that I was thinking of him and that I'm glad he's here. And that was the extent of talking about it. And as I got more involved with the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and he started to get involved, too, I think that helped him open up. I think it helped me let my guard down a little bit and be more vulnerable because I noticed the more vulnerable I am, the more I'm able to help people and let them know that whether your experience is not and your trauma is not from September 11th, it's okay to, you know, let your guard down and get the help that you need. Absolutely. So I, like you said, I wish there was something that someone could have said to 10-year-old me to let me know everything was going to be, you know, okay, and it's okay to talk about your feelings. But, you know, things happen for, for a reason. They happen the way they did. And, again, I think it helped the relationship with my father, too.
0: One of the things, and I hate to ask this, it, so many people, that worked so many first responders there were many killed that day far more have died as a result of 9-11 related cancers and illnesses how is your dad's physical health
1: it's okay you know he still has to go for the annual 9-11 health screening we did how to scare a few years ago and i think that kind of snapped me into reality of how could this happen 15 at the point this was 15 years later you know, how could something come up now? But luckily, you know, he's okay. Um, you know, his health is okay. With the whole COVID situation, that made me a little nervous for his health. But he is, he's good. But um, it's just something you I always think of in the back of my mind, especially when he goes for his test and around September 11th.
0: And you said you have younger siblings. Do you have uh, two brothers? Is that what it is?
1: Yes, I have two younger brothers. Peter is 27 and John is 22.
0: And were they impacted? Do they recall it or were they too young to really grasp what was happening?
1: The three of us are such different kids. We were always different growing up. My youngest brother, of course, he was one. He doesn't have any memory of it. I think his memories are more, you know, post-September 11th. Um, and being raised, you know, by a first responder parent who went into that. And I would say the same thing for my brother. We have different memories of it, our own, you know, experiences with it. But, you know, it's something that over more recently um, we've been able to talk about more. I think it was something, again, was not talked about, but trying to be more vulnerable and learn from each other, it's something that we have been able to discuss.
0: So all of this has prompted you to write a book, and it's about the stories and perspectives of first responder children, and their proceeds benefit Tunnels to Towers Foundation. The book's going to be released very, very soon. What's the working title of the book?
1: We Will Never Forget the Stories of 9-11 Children.
0: So we're talking with Susan Fiorentino. Her father was NYPD Detective Peter Fiorentino. He is now retired. He was working on 9-11 and, of course, at the scene at the World Trade Center. We're talking about how it impacted her, her family, and life afterwards. We'll talk about that part when we return to Law Enforcement Day show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. Back to conversation with Susan Fiorentino. She is calling us from New York City area. She is the daughter of retired NYPD detective Peter Fiorentino, and we're talking about 9-11, the terror attack at the World Trade Center, how it impacted her, her dad, her family, and life after We talked earlier, and it's totally understandable to me that you would have some issues. You were 10 when this occurred, that you would have some issues in your teen years, and I'll be honest with you, my teen years were not easy. I'll take being in my 50s and 60s over being in my teens <laughs> any day of the week, a whole lot easier. But you became aware that you were more reactionary than you liked, you were angry than you liked, you had some, some eating disorder issues, and you began a process of seeking out some help. What prompted you to do that?
1: So in 2020, with everything going on in the world, my anxiety was going, through the roof. And, you know, I was constantly on my phone, constantly watching the news. And all you hear that, you know, cops are bad, cops are bad. And in my mind, I was like, my dad's a cop. He's not a bad person. He was at September 11th and saved people's lives. And because of society having to disconnect from the world, and I had, you know, volunteer things, moving to virtual and not being able to interact and connect with people, I was just going through it. I had, you know, some bouts with the eating issues come up again, and I was just like, I have to get a handle on this. But in the past, I've seen therapists who told me I was making it up because of my appearance, and it was just very doubtful, and I did not have good experiences with therapists and I actually read a book by Tanya Gwen who had I reached out to and just thanked her for her book about first responders and how to, you know, deal with you know loving a first responder and that type of, you know, relationship, whether it be a parent, significant other, a friend. And she had recommended to me a therapist who specializes in um, again, first responders or family members of first responders. And it took some time for me to get comfortable and really vulnerable about some things. But he was amazing. And working through with him, it was difficult at times. I was crying a lot, but I had a lot of breakthroughs with him. And I was always proud of being the daughter of a 9-11 first responder, but I think, you know, speaking to him and letting him know like what I've gone through and things I've experienced, it made me even more proud. And I'm so happy, you know, as a adult that I made that decision to go get help because I know it's impacted my relationship and just me internally for the better.
0: Hopefully, this is the beginning of really pleasant things for you. You've had a lot of pleasant things before, but you've also had some really uncomfortable, difficult things to deal with as a result of 9-11 and your dad being a first responder. Those two alone, separately, can create real problems. The trauma in law enforcement is unavoidable. You, you will experience it as a law enforcement officer nonstop almost on a daily basis. And what's equally almost as impossible to separate from is a family exposure to it. Because no matter how hard we try, the I will tell people this way, I used to change in my mind from being cop J to being dad J and, you know, Father J when I started taking off my soft body armor. And that worked for a long time until it didn't anymore. And then my family got exposed to this. And the isolation and the withdrawal and I'm not talking to people and getting angry, drinking too much, all those things, not sleeping, all became a big issue and they were impacted.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you don't realize it sometimes when you're going through the motions, especially when it's your job, you think it's just affecting you. But if you don't get help, and I know it's kind of not always looked at in the best light to go to therapy and get help. But, you know, doing that will help you grow within yourself and your relationships will, will change because you may have a really bad day at work, where you, especially in the police department where you dealt with something traumatic. You never thought you would have to and you don't want to bring that home. But sometimes if that keeps happening to you and if the, the media is saying they don't like you and that, you know, whatever they're saying about cops, it's hard to kind of disconnect from that Especially when it's all over your phone and the computer. So, again, as a family member of a first responder, I'm an advocate for it. I'm totally vocal about it now. It's something I was ashamed for for a while, but now seeing the results of putting that work in and working on myself, it's changed my life for the better.
0: One of the things I've learned to do is I've had to learn to disconnect. And I guess the phrase is uh, detach with love. And I'm not really good at it. So when there's all this anti-police rhetoric, and you, there's no escaping it. I know the reality of police work. I know what police are like. I know what my experience has been, and it contradicts what we're being told. But instead of arguing and getting into uh, an argument with someone about it, I did. I just decide, I'm doing what I'm doing here. I'm doing the Law Enforcement Day show. I'm bringing guests on to tell their stories. You have two choices. You can accept it on its face, or you can reject it. You're Susan, you're telling your story. People have two choices, accept it as it is, or reject it totally. And I don't see how they can reject it.
1: Well, unfortunately, I had people reject it and were vocal about it, but that's that's their prerogative. I used to be someone who cared about what other people thought and felt towards me, and I'm just not at that place anymore. This is something that I'm passionate about that... I know my work will change and make an impact. So, you know, for me, I was just like reading it and seeing it in person, you know, hateful comments. I just read it and instead of internalizing it like I would have in the past, I just let it roll off my back and not let it stop me from doing what I'm doing.
0: Good for you. There's an old saying I learned a long time ago. I can't pay my bills with other people's opinions of me. I really don't care a whole lot about what people think. You know, there was a time when I was younger, it was so important. And it's an incredible amount of relief where it's like, look, I'll be me, you be you. And we don't have to agree with everything. And if you want to make an issue where I have to choose sides, I'm not going to choose you.
1: Exactly. And, you know, through all my volunteer work, I just realized I'm not going to make the impact I could if I listen to naysayers or hateful or negative comments. They could Right, how much they hate things on behind the computer, and that was not going to stop me.
0: There's so many people have a lot of courage behind a keyboard that would never say things like that to your face. So I want to switch gears. You've taken this incredible amount of passion you have, and you started this book. Again, the name of the book is?
1: We Will Never Forget Stories of 9-11 Children.
0: So it's not just your story. It's the story of others as well.
1: Yes. So I have about 48 other stories, and the thought of this project has been floating around in my head for years. Uh, When I was, actually right before September 11th, I had an aunt who was an author, and she instilled this love of writing in me. And it was something I was always passionate about. It's not something I wanted to do full-time professionally, so I freelanced. And she was a huge drive and inspiration in in that. Unfortunately, she passed in 2010. And I, you know, at that time, I was like, I have to do something in her honor. I've done fundraisers in her memory. I've done other work in her memory. But she was an author, and she instilled this love of writing in me. And at some point, it was kind of on my bucket list. Like, I want to publish and self-publish a book like my Aunt Laura did. So with 2020 happening and me being anxious every night, you know, thinking about my friends that are cops that are in FDNY and internalizing, you know, my childhood, I was like, I have to do something good with all this negativity. And I had an idea. What if I tell my 9-11 story and how it impacted my life? Because I, at this point, I was getting more comfortable about speaking about my experiences and then... A, doubt did creep through my mind. Like, what if no one wants to read this? What if no one wants to get involved? So I reached out to some key people from the Tunnel to Towers Foundation who I volunteer with, and just people really in my inner circle to bounce these ideas off of. And they were so supportive of it. And I was able to be on SI Live, which is a Staten Island-based you know, news source And on PIX11 News where my story aired. And I was very nervous that no one would want to sign up and share their story. I had over 60 people reach out to me saying, you know, this is such an amazing uh, project. You never hear from the children. And, you know, I spoke to each one of them, explained my experience, why I wanted to do this book. And within time, I had a solid, you know, almost 50 stories.
0: Awesome. And- We're going to have to wrap it up. Susan, we have to have you back on the show in the future when your book is published. Thanks so much for being a guest. Very much appreciated.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the law enforcement today. Radio show. The law enforcement today. Radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.